in one breath. One, maybe two. Maybe that's, maybe that, you know how in the Psalms they got that Selah. We need a Selah in there, you know. Need to do that. All right. So now you've got, see, we are soul, mind, and body um, today. That's awesome. And, you know, what, we're, we're in this journey, and then today's the last Sunday in this series about being better together. And uh, really, the, the question I want to answer today was, well, why? Why does God want us to be better together? Why does he want us to be together? Why can't I just do this on my own? You know, with just a few people I choose. You know, why, why is it that we're to, to come together? What are we to accomplish here? Because, you know, we don't um, want to say, all right, we're better together. We're going to do all this together. But then um, we um, don't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish together. You know, we don't want to do all this work to build a house and find out the house is on a fault line. Or to, you know, to make make fun of the, the church in some ways. Um, you know, we uh, sometimes we get caught up in this. Um, we want to do something. You know, we want to accomplish something, which is good. We want to accomplish things. We we make that what we really are about. And sometimes we get to accomplishing our stuff instead of God's stuff. Or even uh, I accomplish my stuff instead of your stuff. You know, I'm up here preaching what I want to preach instead of what you need to hear. Or even more importantly, what God would have me to say. Um, you know, like... Uh, churches, we, we can do that sometimes when we do mission trips. You know, we go uh, or we collect stuff and, and we send it to places, you know, because they've had a disaster or there's a particular need. You know, this is about 10 years ago. It was a, a Hurricane uh, Danny, I think it was, that came through the southern part of Florida. And, you know, and, and folks sent them a whole lot of clothes and stuff. And they ended up, um, had a 10-mile stretch where they just buried all those clothes. Because they didn't need clothes. They needed water. Um, and uh, Or we've done that like in Mexico. A uh, guy was, uh, did, run, ran a mission in um, Mexico. And folks would, you know, particularly churches in the Northeast, would collect clothes and would send them to Mexico. Well, you know, the climate's a little different. In those two, and they just don't need many snow boots. Don't, don't need many really uh, thick uh, um, coats. And in one of the shipments, half of it was tuxedos. You know, they just didn't need many tuxedos. So they were accomplishing stuff, but it wasn't the accomplish what was really needed. So what, what we're going to look at today is what, is what is God wanting us to accomplish as we come together? Why does he say we're better together? And as we'll see in Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11... It's found on page 951 in your, your pew Bible. That God is, is given, um, is orchestrated and given different gifts and abilities and, uh, um, uh, uh, to each one of us. So that when we come together, we fit together and work together for His purpose. And what we'll see in the passage is really three things are mentioned, but one is really focused on. Paul really focuses on one thing in this particular passage. But he mentions unity. He brings us together to demonstrate the, the unity that is in him. He um, brings us together in order to, for, for ministry, um, in, in order to carry out his mission. And he brings us together so that we might mature in him. 
that we might spiritually mature, that it, it would mean spiritual growth in our lives. And that's really what he hones in on in this particular passage. So um, it's Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. Um, let's, uh, let's pray before we read it. Almighty God, thank you for your written word that does speak to us of your truth, that we, that we sing and that we, we desire to live and that, that we um, confess and receive your forgiveness. Thank you for your word that teaches us your truth. And we celebrate that today. And so we ask now as we look particularly at this passage that your spirit would open our, um, uh, the, the very ears um, of our soul, the, the eyes of our heart, to hear and to see from you um, for us individually and for us as a community. We receive your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4 starting verse 11. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, now what we see here, just to see the big picture of this passage, the first part, which I'll talk about mostly, Paul really is talking about the church together, us corporately, us as a community to mature. And then he moves in the second part, which I won't talk about as much, individually, how individually he's he's using the, the, the church to help each of us live into the, the new life that we've been given in Christ. You know, what is true is we are in Christ and the, the journey of a Christian now is to, to live in that new life in Christ. And the journey of a church is to live into that new life in Christ, to be the body of Christ. And so you, you see um, in, in the passage um, mentioned, you know, he mentions ministry in verse 12. You know, so the, the purpose that he gives the different gifts that we come together, right, is to equip us for ministry. Um, it's for building up the, the body of Christ until we come to unity. So I mentioned both of those. He mentions both of those. But then he 
hones in on the third, which is maturity. That you come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Now, just, just that word maturity, there's a really, um, uh, is a, 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 in, the, in the Greek, it's teleos, which, which really is, means you, you come to completion. You, you come to your end. You fulfill your purpose. You become whole. That's the desire for the church to mature, to, to continue to grow into its wholeness, to its completeness, who it was created to be. For its, its perfect end, which is the full stature of Christ. Verse 14, he goes on, because if we're growing to the full stature of Christ, then we're no longer you know, children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine. You know, we're not like the flag that just flows wherever the wind is blowing. Or we're not like a ship on the, the, uh, during a storm in the ocean that's just tossed to and fro. We have our anchor in Jesus in the midst of the world because the, the world is, is filled with the lies of the devil. It's filled with the, the, world, the, the, the world's wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And we take ourselves into the world in our own sin, in our own selfishness. So whether it's the, the, the flesh, the, the world, or the, the devil himself, there are always works around us to oppose us, to, to tell us what we were just singing is a lie, to tell us, no, your identity is not in Jesus. Your identity is in what you accomplish. Your identity is in what you look like. Those are lies of the world. What we're singing is the truth. What the Word teaches is the truth, that our identity is that we belong to Jesus. And that He has bought us with His life and leads us in the fullness of His resurrection. Uh, we're, that that you know, the world can, can tell us that our happiness is our greatest pursuit. No. Following after the way of Jesus is our greatest pursuit. That money can make us happy. No. That, that sex is our greatest desire. Those are lies of the world that take some of the good things that God has created and make them idols. Make them godlike, And what God is saying, no, the church is to come together. We're to come together so that we grow and mature, come to our wholeness and completeness in Jesus. Verse 15, he continues, But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Again, that Jesus is the head of the body and we are to become like Him. And then at the, the, the very end, verse 16, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. That this maturing process, this completeness that makes us into a people, into a community that is characterized by love, that is about pursuing what is best for the other to the best of our abilities. That's what the, the work of love is, pursuing what is best for the other to the best of our abilities. So that's why he has us come together. The church... Of Jesus Christ becomes the place where we connect to one another and learn to love. 
I mean, we just we can't do that by ourselves. We need one another. We we need to be in, in community for that to happen. So there's this dance. There's this dance then that the, the church is a part of, part of the body of Christ. If we are Christ, and it's like Jesus is dancing, and, and we are him. And, and we as the church, we go out into the world with these truths living into those. And man, we get beat up. We get bombarded with the, the lies of the world. And then we, we come back to be strengthened, to become better together so that we can sing these words not only here, but wherever we go. And that's, that's our dance. Our dance. Um, also, the dance is not just being with one another, but being with God. Taking the time and energy to be alone with God. To hear from Him. To be with one another. To be strengthened in what we experience with God again. To go back out into the world. That's what God is accomplishing in us and through us as we're better together. Now, I asked Colleen Scheid to share her story of this dance, really, and how God um, worked uh, and continues to work in her on this dance. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks, Drew. Um, I've been in the dance for 40 years. I've been a Christian for 40 years, and a lot of it has been here at this church. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about how my ability to... um, to just live this passage, to be able to love you guys and work together with you and then be able to go out into the world and and draw people in toward the kingdom of God, all that has been greatly increased by being healed by God mentally and emotionally. So I want to talk about the healing piece of our of our walk with God. All the things we've covered in this sermon series so far... Um, Slide one, our um, listening, forgiving, sacrificing, confronting, cooperating. Can't do that stuff till we feel safe, till we feel loved, till we feel confident. Um, those were things I could not do well until God did some transforming work in my mind and my heart. And I think that those of us who are Christians, we really want to obey God. We want to do this stuff, but we're limited in our ability whenever we can't live out of that that love and that wholeness. Since I was a little girl, I've always struggled a lot with anxiety, particularly performance anxiety. It came from an obsession with doing the right thing and pleasing people. Um, I recall as a first grader walking down an exit aisle on my way into the cafeteria. No one even noticed, but I was so mortified that I did the wrong thing that I cried into my lunchbox for the whole lunchtime. Um, as a teenager, I was afraid to go out for walks by myself because I didn't know whether I should say hello or what when I passed another person. I, I was almost agoraphobic. Um, as young as 13, I was writing lists of things I needed to get done every day. And when I didn't succeed, I felt like a loser. And that was every day. So... Um, It's kind of funny to look back on some of that now, but that kind of perfectionism and that anxiety really wears you down. And by my early 20s, I was really depressed. It was hard to go to work. Um, Working closely and cooperatively with people just was was very scary. It felt like walking through a minefield. Um, It's really hard 
to be together sometimes if we are overcome with anxiety or anger, fear, depression, sadness, loneliness, frustration, hatred, inferiority, pride, fill in the blanks. We've all got our own stuff that gets in our way. Um, a lot of the negative emotions come from negative beliefs that drain our energy and the people in our lives become problems. At the age of 16, I became a Christian and right away there was a new sense of hope in my mind. Um, it was like I could see a light that hadn't been there before, but there were barriers to being able to get right into that light. And in all the years since then, following Jesus has increasingly led me into the light. And I want to talk about kind of how that happened. Um, Conversion doesn't automatically change us. We have to do some stuff to cooperate with God. And half of that piece is being alone with him. Um, the, um, the stuff that we all hear about that we're supposed to do, uh, to read, to memorize the Bible, to tell God, to pray. Um, but, but we need to make it personal. We need to tell him our struggles and, and all of our sins and all of our darkness and our needs. And um, we need to listen to God long enough that he can speak back in our thoughts. And if you're kind of ADD like me, journaling really helps. It really pins your head to the, to the right place. I journal gratitude, uh, truth I've learned, stuck places, prayers answered. Journaling is really powerful for a lot of us. Um, but good as the whole quiet time thing is, what I really want to emphasize is that being alone with God really isn't enough. We've got to have other people pray for us um, one-to-one, person-to-person. Um, that's how we're made. In particular, there is a way of praying where we invite God back to where the trouble started. He speaks truth to what we remember from our past. I learned this here. Um, in sessions over at the White House over there, like 30 paces away from this building, I remembered back to some key events in my childhood, and two women prayed with me to be healed from the damage that um, those those events caused. Um, after you've learned this, you can pray yourself for this way. You, you can pray this way for yourself as well. So, like, you can get big traumas healed in, in sessions with other people, but you can keep working on little stuff. And I want to share uh, an example of how this works without going too deep. I'll, I'll tell you one of the kind of little things. Um, I became aware somewhere in my 30s that I never felt like I had enough clothes or that the, I wasn't wearing the right clothes. Um, I just it, I just knew it was um, irrational because um, I, I knew it probably went back to when I was younger and our family couldn't afford a lot of clothes, but it didn't help me feel any better um, that I could afford stuff now. So I asked God to take me back in time and to heal me. A memory came to me of um, some popular kids in high school on the bus, of course, um, picking on me for wearing the cheap jeans that were uncool. Um, I was really, really embarrassed. So I asked God to enter into that memory. And at this point in the process, that's where God shows up. Um, because he does stuff that you wouldn't expect. Like if I were going to manufacture a healing in my mind, I would have had, you know, Jesus hug me or some sort of generic comfort. But here's what happens. Um, to my surprise, in my imagination, I see Jesus sitting at the back of the bus. He's smiling, relaxed, casual. He's wearing a burlap first century ugly tunic, and he says, he says, don't worry about it. I've only got one outfit. <laughs> I've only got one outfit. And and since that prayer time, I've been 
a lot more comfortable in whatever I'm wearing. It's not a big deal anymore. So that's how you know it's God when it works. Um, so uh, there are a number of ways we can get healing through God's spirit working through other people. Um, you can go into that prayer room after every service and get prayed for. It's right there for us. Uh, friends, mentors, people who really know us, prayer groups. I've been a prayer group with women uh, for like over 20 years. We really know each other. We really pray about what's going on. Um, professional counselors are often needed. That's not just for the weird people. That's for all of us. Because um, we're all the weird people. And a recovery program, I think there's a good number of us sitting in here right now who probably need some kind of recovery program just looking at the stats. We've probably got, you know, 15% people who are addicted to really dangerous stuff, alcohol and other drugs, and then a whole bunch of us are addicted to other stuff. Um, so the one that I want to really emphasize, though, is our very own awesome Karen Counseling Center, the White House, 30 paces across the parking lot, because... When I ask um, Jean how, how that place is doing, she says, it's great. And I say, who's a lot of people going? And she says, yeah, but they're mostly from other churches. And I'm just like, what the heck? Because that, there's so much healing there, and it's free. It doesn't even cost anything. Um, I've been there four different times in my life. That, that I can remember, maybe more. Um, I went there once because I looked around and saw other people able to worship, and I couldn't worship. And so I knew there, there's something wrong in, in my soul because I'm not feeling anything for God. That started the journey. I've been back for depression. I've been back for confession of sins. Went back with Bill a couple of years into our marriage. We couldn't get through conflict. We got more stuck when we tried to resolve it. It got worse. So we went to Telaos to learn a process. Um, after my first baby was born, it was a traumatic birth, so I, I only needed one session. I just got the birth trauma healed, and that set me up to be stronger for the next pregnancy. And it's a good thing, because it, it was a doozy. Um, so I, um, I, I just want to finish by just really saying that God does heal us. I would say that at this point, I'm probably like maybe 80% healed from when I was the teenager who couldn't walk out the door. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of a mess, but it's so much better, and I can do things I wouldn't have been able to do. I can do performances in front of lots of people. I can run programs. I can hang in with hard conflict situations so that I don't leave family and I don't leave this church. God has healed me so much. So um, the last thing I want to say is, if you are anxious or depressed, angry, hurt, hateful, unforgiving, stuck in a relationship problem, go to the White House next door. If you are addicted to alcohol, food, drugs, food, mistake, but, you know, food's the church's acceptable addiction, right? Uh, work, screens, or anything else, go to the White House next door. If you are keeping any painful secrets, go to the White House next door. If you believe that asking for help will damage your reputation, go to the White House. Um, I am convinced that the more we allow God to heal us, the more powerfully and joyfully we will be able to work together to make God's dreams for us come true. Amen. 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 Thank you, Colleen. And we, with you, praise God for that that wholeness that he brings, that healing that he brings. Um, in order to fulfill 
his, uh, his purposes in and, and through us. Just one example of what the work of church is, of that we all are, are a mess. We're all unhealthy, worldly, walking in our own strength instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're broken and messed up sinners. But as we participate together, then we grow in Christ. In acute ways with God, in acute ways one-on-one, in, in other ways with, with small groups, as, she, um, as Colleen mentioned, um, in the listening class next week, and, and things like the If Gathering that was just here um, uh, yesterday and Friday, or Ignite, or the uh, 33 series with, with men, or Band of Brothers, um, or the middle hour classes, or other small groups. I mean, and even when we worship, what we're, we're gathering here to be reminded of God's truth and to encourage and support one another on this journey of maturing in Christ, of being made whole in Him. Because it is an unending journey until we see Him face to face. And then Paul tells us in Thessalonica and Thessalonians that then we will be glorified. And then the battle will be over. But until then, we're on this journey together. I do, do want to mention just briefly two, the two other things that Paul, that we come together um, to be better together, to, to mature in him, to grow up in Christ, and also to demonstrate our own, um, the, the unity that occurs when we are in Christ together, in the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, and, and just one, one story, particularly uh, this month, African American History Month, to tell the story of um, the, the Azusa Street Revival. That uh, happened in the 1906. Uh, it was uh, William Seymour and his wife Jenny, African-American pastors from Kansas, actually. And the Spirit came upon them. This is actually the, the modern birth of, uh, of Pentecostalism and the, the, the work of the, 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 the Holy Spirit um, in the, the church. And um, as they moved to Florida, I was on Azusa Street. Again, this is 1906. That then you had um, African-American male and African-American female leading this revival made up of Caucasians, blacks, um, Latinos, which is unheard of in 1906. Matter of fact, you read the articles in the L.A. Times in that time, and that was one of the arguments against these crazies, that they would even bring races together. You know, that that was... Not what you were supposed to do in 1906. Yet the Spirit of God was at work in a powerful way for almost a decade. That revival moved. That revival continued being, being led by the Seymours and, and many, many others. And it was about uh, eight, nine years later that eventually the, the world crept in. And what was formed from that revival, then divided largely along racial lines. The, the Assemblies of God that we have today and the Church of God in Christ, Kojic, is, those were the two denominations that formed out of that one largely white and one black. Now, m- movements have been made to bring them back together and in both um, denominations to, to um, today, But I share that story to show the power of God's Spirit, but the need to be vigilant, diligent, 
in coming back to God and relying on God. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a biblical story. I mean, it's the way of Israel. You know? I mean, you're in trouble, you're in need, you cry out to God. God heals, makes us whole, leads us, and then we're like, okay, I got this. Thanks, God. And, you know, we go our own way, just like Israel did, just like we do, we experience in our own lives. And so the need for this dance to come back to God, to walk with him, is as we go into the world and to carry out his mission. That's the, the third thing that Paul mentions here. You know, we carry out his mission as we go into the world. We're, we're his witnesses. Like he says in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or when Jesus, just before he left in Matthew you know, 28, the Great Commission, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations. So his, his, his purpose is to make us whole and healed on this journey so that then we are demonstrating his unity and we are out in the world in evangelism and discipleship, sharing the good news, bringing folks to Christ and helping them to find this same healing and wholeness. But that's the dance of the church, of broken people in a broken world where we, we go out... In him, and then is, then we have to come back. But it's not like we all go out and then come back. There's, there's times when some of us go out, and, and we're in, in the midst of it, and we're overrun, but as we're coming back, others are going out. But that's God, the conductor, orchestrating the music for this dance. That we, as the body of Christ, are dancing. So God is at work in us, in you and in me, leading us to maturity, to wholeness, to our fullness in Christ. The, the ministries that I mentioned and others that are, that are mentioned are here for that purpose. Because that's his purpose for us. Bringing us to wholeness, to healing, maturity in the fullness of Christ for his glory and for his mission around the world. Amen. Let's uh, let's continue in prayer.